Yo, what's up everyone? Welcome in. Welcome current listeners, new listeners. This is episode 23 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. We're back on track. It is a again a Friday. Uh, we are we have game six. No, sorry, yeah, game six of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Cavs Celtics. That's going to be a good one. I am recording this before the game, but this won't drop until after the game. So you'll be hearing my predictions after the fact, but. Let's jump right into the show. Let's jump right into NBA playoffs. Uh, Houston and Golden State. The series is 3-2 in favor of Houston. It's kind of a surprise, kind of a shock. Uh, Andre Iguodala hasn't played the last few games for the Warriors. And really, I don't think it's a major injury. I think it's just because of his age. I think they're just kind of saving him. And now... They really need need him for 6 and 7. He is questionable for game 6 tomorrow night. But the big news right now, the, the, this is huge. Chris Paul is now out for game 6 and could be out for game 7 of this series. He strained his hamstring near the end of game 5 last night. That's huge. With Chris Paul, I think the Rockets win this series with the way it's going right now. But without Chris Paul, I definitely think definitely think Golden State in seven is going to happen. I don't th- I don't see it happening any other way. Chris Paul is the most valuable player on that Rockets team, and without Chris Paul, the offense is not as good. James Harden is struggling right now. And the Warriors are actually outplaying the Rockets. They're, they've lost two games in a row for the first time since the 2016 Finals. But the Warriors are actually they're better than the Rockets in every statistical category. Shooting percentage, three-point shooting percentage, uh, free throw percentage, rebounds, assists. The, the thing that's killing the Warriors is turnovers. They're just turning the ball over way too much. Like last night, Katie had 29, Clay 23, uh, Steph had 22, and Draymond Green had 15 rebounds. It was just the turnovers that killed him. They had 18 turnovers. Like James Harden was horrible last night. 19 points, 0 for 11 from three, and 5 for 21 from the field. That's terrible. You like. I said before this series started that James Harden and Chris Paul needed to be at their best all the time to be able to win this series. Needed to be their best every game. And Chris Paul was really the only one that was good last night. Eric Gordon was phenomenal, also hit some really, really clutch threes. And they won, and I think that's a bit of a concern for the Warriors. I think that's a huge concern that they can do. They can have their three guys put up good scoring numbers and still lose when James Harden shoots like he did. I think that's a concern, but with Chris Paul out, that's 
I think that's an almost guarantee Warriors in seven. It has to be a guarantee. I think the line now, Vegas has the line, well, I guess America now that we have legalized gambling, but the line for game six now, I believe, is minus 11.5 Warriors, and game seven is minus 12 Warriors, and that's on the road in Houston if it, if in fact the Warriors win game six. Vegas must think that Chris Paul is not going to play in game seven, and it's very likely because there's no break. Their games are every other day. And if Chris Paul goes, he's not going to be 100%. So I like an underdog on the road, you're, you're going to be favored on the road in Houston by 12 points. That's that's insane. I, I'm pretty sure that's unprecedented. And Vegas, I think, knows Chris Paul is not going to be out. Or is going to be out, sorry. So, Golden State in seven, I think, is automatic. And if, if Golden State happens to lose, let's say they lose game six without Chris Paul, without Chris Paul playing in this game, I think they're going to become a laughing stock because everybody hated them when they first formed, and some people still hate them, and I I totally get it. They're they were a seventy three and win a seventy three and nine team, lost in the NBA Finals, arguably could have won it if Draymond hadn't have been suspended. But then you add Kevin Durant, you become the most hated team in basketball. They are, the people are going to end up laughing. It's going to be like one of those wah, wah, wah moments. It's going to, if they lose, Dynasty is, I don't, I don't even know if I would call it a Dynasty right now because it was two separate teams that won, won a championship. Like, and when I say two separate, the majority of the roster was the same, but like you have one championship with just Steph, Clay, and Dre. And the this recent championship, you have Kevin Durant in there. So I think it's two separate things because Kevin Durant takes your team to a whole nother level. We're going to get to KD in a minute. But if they lose, oof, that's a that's bad. And And if they lose, who knows how long this team will stay together. I mean, because honestly, KD could leave after the season. He could go somewhere else. They could trade Draymond Green. Maybe the Warriors don't want to re-sign Clay, and they'll let him go the following season because he's a free agent in 2019. Or maybe they'll trade him. I th I would like to think the Warriors will win this in seven now, very easily. I mean, you would think looking at the box scores from last night, you would if I handed you the box score but without a score, and you just see the percentages, rebounds, assists, and, and, and things like that, you would say the Warriors won, and won pretty comfortably by like 18 to 20 points. But no, they, they have a lot, they had a lot of turnovers. And that's kind of odd. It's, it's still kind of odd because they, fast break points, it was also in favor of the Warriors. 
And that's kind of odd with the amount of turnovers the Warriors had. The Warriors have played poorly the last few games. And the reason is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is reverting back to his his Oklahoma City days, his his ISO ball. He's playing hero ball. And that's not good. He is doing exactly what he tried to get away from in OKC and get away from Russ. He wanted to play this this style of ball uh, basketball where there was a lot of ball movement, take less shots, there's less I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but there's I guess there's less burden to score every possession because you have four guys that can consistently do it, that any one of those guys can score on any given possession. But KD is now starting to revert to that, and in the fourth quarter, he's now shying away from the ball. He's not passing the ball in the first three quarters, and in the fourth quarter, he doesn't want the ball at all. And that's concerning. It's concerning. It makes me feel like the Warriors aren't that hungry. They don't want it. Because right now the Rockets have been playing like they really want it. They've been playing harder than the Warriors. They've been playing harder than them. They have a chip on their shoulder. None of these guys have been here before and they want it bad. The Warriors been there a few times. I'm not sure if they want it that badly. They got their two. KD's got his championship. Maybe he just wanted the one. Maybe he doesn't want six, seven, eight. Like there's a the difference between a dynasty and just a really great team is that dynasties have a different motivation than just one championship. They want five, six, seven, eight championships. That's the motivation. That's like the the Lakers in 01 and 02, 2000 through 2002, the the Bulls in the 90s, uh, the Spurs from a uh, from a span from like 99 to 2015, they won five championships. Uh, the Celtics back in the 60s, uh, even though the I mean talent was heavily skewed in the Celtics direction, but that's besides the point. Uh, you have the Celtics in the 80s, the Lakers in the 80s. Those are dynasties. They they won three plus championships. The Warriors, if they lose, they might be just another great team. They are the greatest collection of talent in NBA history, and if they if they lose this series, that's a bad look and. I don't know what else to say about that, but that's going to be a big game tomorrow. I expect the Warriors to win without CP3 in the lineup for the Rockets. And hopefully KD and the Warriors wake up for their sake. Uh, but let's move on to Boston and Cleveland. Game six tonight in Cleveland. Boston's up 3-2 in the series. Right now, my prediction for both of these series, are the, they are lining up like I thought. I predicted Golden State in 7 and Boston in 6, and hopefully Boston can close it out tonight in Cleveland. I don't, With the way the series has went, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, on the road, Boston really, they really only compete for like the first 7 minutes of the game. 
And then LeBron blows it wide open in late first quarter, early second quarter, and then the Celtics just quit. And playing in Cleveland is, is tough because that crowd gets really loud. It's a loud crowd in Cleveland, and you know, once some of those guys start making threes, it's it's just a roller coaster. And it's hard to get off that ride if you're an opposing team. And a lot of people are going to have a hard time betting against LeBron. Obviously, playing at home, that's going to help them. I, I would not be surprised if the Cavs won Game 6 tonight. And then going back to Boston for Game 7. Boston is a terrific team at home. And home court advantage definitely means something in the playoffs, I feel. But LeBron... When facing elimination, he's facing elimination tonight, and if they win, he'll be facing elimination uh, in a few days. LeBron statistically might be the greatest ever in elimination games. He's 12 and 9, so not a stellar record, but you also got to look at the supporting cast around him and stuff because even though he does it all, he can't. He, can, he can't do it all, but he does it all, if that makes any sense. Uh, but he averages 33.5 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, almost 11 rebounds, and 7.3 assists. Statistically, that is better than anyone else in NBA history when facing elimination. And that, that makes it hard to bet against him. So if this went 7... Even though Boston is terrific at home, I really wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs ended up stealing this series. And it would be a steal because I think the Celtics are the far better team. They're just going against the best player in the league. But I am holding true to my prediction, Boston in six. I think it's definitely possible that Boston can, can take game six tonight. Uh, but... This is an interesting theory, and if any of you guys watched The Herd on FS1 with Colin Cowherd, great show, by the way. Um, but Colin's been talking about this for the last week or so, and he brought it up again today. And he's been asking people, like, would it be better if LeBron lost this series to the Celtics instead of getting beat in the finals? Because let's be honest here. If he goes to the finals, let's say he wins the series and goes to the finals and, and faces the Warriors. That's likely a sweep or five-game series, and they'll lose. And if it's the Rockets, I still think they lose. Uh, now, without Chris Paul, maybe a different story. And the Cavs actually might win. But let's, let's just say, for argument's sake, Chris Paul is playing, he's healthy, and it's the Rockets... In the finals, I think the Rockets would beat them in five or six. And the reason why Colin's asking if it would be better is because losing in the finals means another blemish on LeBron's finals resume. He's three and five right now, currently, and he would be three and six if he lost this year. And if the thing about this is nobody remembers a conference finals loss or a loss in the first round or or the second round or missing or missing the playoffs but 
everybody remembers losses in the finals. Everybody keeps track of of your finals record. That's the big thing with why people think Michael Jordan's the go is because he's six and zero in the finals. He's never lost in the finals. But there were years where he lost in the first round, got swept in the first round. But nobody remembers those. So, yes, I think it would be better for LeBron's legacy if he lost now instead of in the finals. But I'm not a proponent of just throwing a series. I think the the logic of this should be the farther you get, the better. But we always view it negatively when you lose in the finals versus when you lose in an earlier round in the playoffs. It really makes a ton of sense. It really does, but I could never see LeBron thinking that. LeBron is definitely ring-chasing, and I don't think he would ever want to intentionally lose a playoff series knowing he would get railroaded in the finals. And if he... If he did make the finals again for, I think it would be, what, the ninth straight year? Eighth? Uh, and let's say they get swept? I don't think you can call LeBron the greatest of all time. I know he's going against a better team. But you can't get swept in the finals twice and be called the greatest of all time. You can't. And I know Michael Jordan's gotten swept in the first and second round of the playoffs more times than LeBron. But when you go to the finals and you get swept twice, I'm sorry, that's just... I I can't call you the GOAT. I can't. Winning is a big... a big factor when determining the greatest of all time. That's why Tom Brady... Is the, is the greatest of all time in the, in the NFL. He's the greatest quarterback in NFL history. He's made it to eight Super Bowls. And he's won five of them. That's more appearances than any other quarterback. And he's got the most Super Bowls. I mean, come on. Kobe's five of seven in the finals. If LeBron was like at 500 in the finals or above 500 would be preferable but if he was 4 and 4 maybe then i would i would listen to the argument a little more i would still probably lean towards michael but he's not he's 3 and 5 so all in all i would not I wouldn't think LeBron would want to lose a playoff series intentionally to save a finals loss. But it is an interesting thing because nobody remembers a conference finals loss or an early round exit. But everybody 20 years down the line remembers a loss in the finals. It's an interesting point. It's pretty interesting. All right. So... 
I said last week that I was going to do a mock draft, an NBA mock draft of the lottery. And so I don't know a ton about some of these players in the lottery. I know I know a lot about the majority of the lottery projected players. So I wanted to I'm I'm just going to a mock draft on the internet. We're going to go to Bleacher Report. Just thought that was the best one to go by and I'm going to go through the lottery, the top 14 picks, and I'm going to, I guess, say whether or not I agree with that. Like I said, I know the majority of some of these players. I don't know a lot of them. Like once I get to around 10 through 14, it's kind of a little foggy for me. So I apologize that I am not as polished on my NBA draft knowledge. But Phoenix Suns at number one, I think definitely DeAndre Ayton, and Bleacher Report says DeAndre Ayton, center out of Arizona. Th- this guy can literally do it all. He's like 7-1. He's like a guard in a – he's like a small forward in a center's body. He has got tremendous range as a shooter. He can shoot threes. He can hit pull-up jumpers. He can handle the ball very well. Plays great defense. Rebounds well. This guy, I think he is every bit as good as Carl Anthony Towns right now. Like Carl Anthony Towns wasn't as polished in his offensive game when he first came into the league. But Carl Anthony Towns now is what DeAndre Ayton is. And I think Phoenix Suns def the Phoenix Suns definitely need uh, need Aiton. They had Devin Booker at the at the two, who is a tremendous scorer, three point shooter. You have Josh Jackson at the three, who is a tremendous defender. Alfred Payton at the one, who is really I think by definition point guard is one of the better point guards in the league by definition in terms of passing the ball, ball movement, getting the offense going. And then you add Aiton into that lineup. That's an extremely young team, but I think it can be it can become a very good team. And I think DeAndre Aiton, I think, would be Rookie of the Year front runner with that team. And I think in a few years, Phoenix the Phoenix Suns would be turned around, really. Um, so DeAndre Aiton one, I think, is it has to be the number one pick. He has to be, unless the Suns trade. Trade back. Uh, Sacramento at number two. The Kings select Luka Doncic, point guard slash shooting guard out of Real Madrid. I don't know a lot about this guy, but I've heard he's a beast. He's like a six-eight point guard. He's kind of like a Ben Simmons, but I I think he shoot he can shoot a little bit better than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't really have a jumper at all, and I think this guy can be a superstar. A lot of people are skeptical of him just because he's an overseas player and overseas players don't necessarily translate right away. But the, I mean, he's, he's ranked as like the second best player in this draft, possibly third. And I mean, with his ball handling, ball handling ability and his, his Ben Simmons, like I think his best comparison would be Ben Simmons. 
I really like the pick for Sacramento, and I think it could really establish a a solid foundation for them in the future. The Atlanta Hawks at number three, Bleacher Report says Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr., power forward, Michigan State. I uh, I don't know about that. They have John Collins at power forward, who is an up and coming guy, and he was named to the All NBA or the All Rookie Team second team, I believe. The NBA All Rookie Team. So I don't think they're going to go Jaron Jackson here. I like Michael Porter Jr. out of Missouri, small forward. Like Michael Porter Jr., I think can be the best player in this draft. I'm just nervous about him though, because he's only played like three games in his college career. He had a, a major spinal injury coming into this past college basketball season. Didn't play into the NCAA tournament, so or near the tournament. I, I believe he played in the in his conference tournament leading up to March Madness. He's definitely got the ability, but only playing in three games, there's not a huge sample size. He hasn't really played against good college competition, so we don't really know about him. But based on pure pure ability and talent, I like him in Atlanta at number three, and I think it gives them a superstar of the future potentially. Number four, the Grizzlies, Marvin Bagley the third out of Duke. Marvin Bagley, I, I agree with this. Uh, they have Marcus All at center, Mike Conley at point guard. Unless they decide to move on from one of those guys, I don't see them taking a point guard or center. So I think getting a power forward here makes a lot of sense. They have Chandler Parsons at the three, who's not bad. He's injury prone and he's overpaid. So they're not really going to go there. I think Marvin Bagley definitely to the Grizzlies is a good fit. Tremendous help side defender, great rebounder, has decent range, can hit from three. He's got a good mid-range jumper, can hit some free throws. This guy, I think, I think he is a top three player in this draft. I I talked about him in an a, a earlier episode, one of my first episodes. I talked about him being the number one pick early on, and then I jumped to Trey Young, and then I jumped, and now I'm on Aiton. Uh, it's kind of like how I was with the quarterbacks in the NFL draft. I was high on one guy for a while and low on others. And then, you know, it, it would constantly switch as, you know, you see more game tape and you see, you know, more stuff coming out. And you find out more about these guys. Um, but I definitely like Marvin Bagley Jr. a lot. He's excellent in the low post face-up game. And I think it would, he would be a great addition to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, number five, I think this is where Jaron Jackson would go. Power forward, Michigan State. I think he would go to the Mavs here. Uh, it says on Bleacher Report, Muhammad Bamba out of Texas, center. The reason why I don't like him for the Mavericks is because that screams Nerlens Noel 2.0. And I don't. And New Orleans Noel didn't really work out in Dallas. I believe he's still there. 
But I just, I don't think you're going in the right direction if you take him. I think it's just the same exact thing, but younger. So I, I think you got to go, I think you got to go get your, your Dirk successor because Dirk probably only has one year left. So I, I would go get, you know, either Jaron Jackson or maybe you get a guy like Wendell Carter out of Duke. One of those guys. They're definitely not the same play style as Dirk. Definitely not, but they're more athletic. Uh, they can shoot a little bit, but Dirk was a far better shooter, far better scorer. But I think definitely these guys would be a step in the right direction for them. I don't think Bamba would be a great selection, although I think he's got tremendous upside, but just for a different team. Uh, number six, the Magic. Uh, Bleacher Report says Wendell Carter, power forward Duke. I They have Aaron Gordon. He's I believe he's going to be a free agent this year, a restricted free agent. I would think they're going to re-sign him. I tell you what, I think the magic, Trey Young, I think Trey Young would be terrific for them. They've got a solid center in Nikola Vucevic. Aaron Gordon, I would think, is going to be re-signed. They have Evan Fournier and Mario Hazonia, you know, playing the guard positions, like shooting guard. I don't know who their small forward is, but... I think Trey Young would give them a number one option and give them tremendous shooting, also tremendous inconsistency, but I think his play style is perfect for the NBA. It's perfect. It's it's three balls. He's got excellent vision. He's an excellent passer. He's got definitely got the right play style for this this type of NBA that is now shifting to the three-point shot. I think this is perfect for the Magic because they don't really have a point guard. I think this is perfect. I, his comparison for me is Steph Curry. It just is because Steph Curry in college at Davidson was pulling up from everywhere and was making everything. And Trey Young can do the exact same thing. Just he's not as consistent as Curry. But I definitely think the Magic need to go Trey Young if. He is still available, and I imagine he would be. Number seven, the Bulls. Bleacher Report says Michael Porter Jr., but I already have him being taken by the Hawks. So I'll go I'll go Wendell Carter, get a guy to put beside Markinen. I think Markinen also plays power forward, so you could put Wendell Carter at the center, or you can you can flip-flop it, whatever works, whatever, whatever fits best. But I think that would give you a pretty dominant front court. One guy that, you know, can stretch the floor and, and hit the three and mark it in, and then a, a bruiser inside like Wendell Carter who can rebound very well, play great defense, and kind of anchor the paint. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it would be a great move. They've got Chris Dunn at point guard, and they've got Zach Levine at shooting guard. I think they've got a good collection of young talent. They really do. They really do. Uh, number eight, the Cavs. Ideally, I think Trey Young would have been perfect for them. He could still be available. It really, he really could be. I can see him going to the Cavs at eight. 
If he's still available, I definitely think Trey Young would be perfect because they don't have a point guard and they need someone that can create their own shot. And especially if LeBron leaves, Trey Young, I think, would help steer them in a new path, on a, on a new path, a new direction. The only problem is they would have George Hill making a ton of money, Clarkson making a ton of money, and then you have Trey Young. Don't know exactly where he's going to fit in. But you'll still have Kevin Love, who can stretch the forward, Tristan Thompson, JR. I mean, it would still be a solid team, but I don't know if they would make the playoffs. Well, they should in the East. They should in the Eastern Conference. But Trey Young, I think, would be ideal. But for my mock draft, since Trey Young has been taken, I like Mohamed Bamba. They don't really have a pure center. Like, Tristan Thompson is their center. They have Zizic. But I think Tristan Thompson is better served as a power forward. I don't think he can he can play center. And the reason why he plays center is because they have Kevin Love. So I really think Tristan Thompson either needs to be moved to the bench and you start Mohamed Bamba or you trade him and get rid of that cap. I think there would definitely be a taker for, for Tristan Thompson. But I think Mohamed Bamba would give them a an athletic, extremely athletic, defensive, great rebounding center great rim protector. And if they want to go big, I think Mohamed Bamba definitely is the way to go, being the second-best center in the draft, really. And really, I guess there's really only two centers, possibly possibly three if you consider Wendell Carter a center, that are in the lottery projection. But yes, Mohamed Bamba to the Cavs. Number nine, the Knicks. This is where it starts to get a little bit fuzzy for me. I don't really know a lot about some of these guys, 9 through 14. This says Michael Bridges out of Villanova, shooting guard slash small forward for the Knicks. I've heard a little bit about this guy. He's a pretty good shooter, pretty good 3 and D guy. And he would be he would be kind of like a mellow, sort of. Like a young version of mellow, I, I, I feel like. Probably not as good at creating offense, but the Knicks need the Knicks need someone, and I could definitely see the Knicks trading up in this draft because they need some help for Porzingis. Number 10, the Sixers. Uh, it would be Miles Bridges, small forward, power forward, Michigan State, and I believe they're brothers. I am pretty sure these guys are brothers, Michael and Miles. Uh, but this would give uh, this guy I I think is actually better than Michael Bridges out of Nova. But I think that would give the Sixers uh, actually a pretty good score. The uh, Miles Bridges can create his own shot. He can create his own shot. He can shoot threes. He's he's pretty clutch. Great defender. He's kind of like he's almost like a Robert Covington, except this guy can create a little more offense. Robert Covington is more of a 3 and D, but Miles Bridges, along with being a 3 and D, can also create his own shot, hit from mid-range, drive to the hole. I think that would be a great pick for the Sixers at number 10. Honestly, Miles Bridges, 
I think could be higher up on the draft board than this. I think this would be a steal. Number 11, the Charlotte Hornets uh, Bleacher Report has them taking Kevin Knox out of Kentucky. Um, I know a little bit about him. He can shoot a little. I'm not sure what he's like defensively. But Charlotte, Charlotte, I think, just needs to go in pure re- rebuild mode. They need to get rid of Dwight Howard, get him off the books. Kemba Walker, I don't know if you really I, – I like Kemba Walker. I think he's pretty solid. I think he's a pretty solid point guard. I would keep him. You have Malik Monk. Put Kevin Knox at the three. And then you'll have to go find a center. I don't know who you're going to find. I guess you'll have to wait and see in free agency what's available. But, yeah, Kevin Knox to the Hornets. Number 12. Now, this, I I really like this. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, they have back-to-back picks in the lottery, 12 and 13. Number 12, they take Colin Sexton, point guard out of Alabama, and I think this is a, this is probably the steal of the lottery. Colin Sexton is a dominant defensive point guard. He plays outstanding defense, really gets up in players' grill, really good in the press. Alabama did a lot of press against Trey Young. They, they played Oklahoma – uh, this past college basketball season, and Colin Sexton locked up Trey Young. Trey Young was terrible, and Sexton just shut him down. Uh, Sexton is pretty good at getting to the hole, too. He can drive to the hole, create for others, and he can shoot a little bit. He can shoot a little bit. So I think this, I think this guy is an outstanding pick for the Clippers. Great pick. Number 13, the Clippers again. Bleacher Report has Robert Williams, power forward slash center out of Texas A&M. I don't really know anything about Robert Williams. But they do need a power forward because Blake Griffin is gone. DeAndre Jordan could be out the door. They could trade him. So, yeah, Robert Williams, I guess, makes a lot of sense from a position standpoint, from a team need standpoint. And then number 14 to round out the lottery, the Denver Nuggets select, gosh, I don't even know how to say this name, Shai Gilegeus Alexander, point guard Kentucky. I suppose this makes sense. I do the. I don't know if the Nuggets still have Moutier or not. If they still have Moutier, I don't know if this makes a ton of sense. Uh, but the Nuggets don't need any shooting guards. They've got Murray. They've got Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. They've got Nikola Jokic. Or Jokic. Uh, if they don't have Moutier, I think this is pr- a pretty good pick, I guess. He's out of Kentucky. And Kentucky point guards, usually pretty decent. Really, any player from, from Kentucky is pretty decent. So, yeah, I, that's that rounds out my mock draft. I will try and do better the next time I do one. Try, try to do my homework a little more. Um, some sleepers in the first round later on. Um, I definitely think Kata Bates-Diop out of Ohio State is a big-time sleeper. Definitely a, uh, he's a, he was a pretty good scorer 
pretty good three-point shooter. He's projected anywhere from like 22 to like 26. And I definitely think that would be a great pick for any of these teams. Chicago, the Pacers, Trailblazers, Lakers, Sixers, Celtics in that range. Definitely think that would be a pretty solid selection. Um, Dante DiVincenzo is here, that shooting guard from Villanova. I don't know if you remember him. He was the guy that, that blew up against Michigan in the title game. Came off the bench. He was a bench player. Um, Jalen Brunson out of Villanova is here. Villanova players are really, really good. They're outstanding players. And all of these guys are men. They're like 21, 22-year-olds who have played three or four years in college. And I think those are the best college basketball players, the most mature college basketball players. They may not be the most talented, but they have NBA-ready bodies and they know how to play the game and they know how to adjust very quickly. But that is my mock draft. We will do, I'll do another one soon leading up to the draft. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do as many as I did the NFL draft, as many mock drafts, but we'll definitely do one when I feel necessary. So let's move on now to the all NBA teams, the, the selections for the all NBA. Um, first team here. Sorry, getting a drink there. Um, first team, Damian Lillard. That's kind of a surprise. James Harden, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant. James Harden and LeBron James were unanimous selections for first team. And then you have AD, KD, and Damian Lillard. I'm kind of surprised by Damian Lillard. I'm surprised this isn't Russell Westbrook. A little bit surprised. But I definitely agree with the other four. And these four are probably four of the top five players in the NBA right now. LeBron, LeBron first, KD second. I would go Anthony Davis third, Steph Curry fourth, James Harden fifth. And, you know, now that I just named the top five players in the league, I next next episode, next week, I will put together a list of the top, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 players in the league. Well, I, I don't know how many I'll do, but I will definitely put together a list. Maybe I'll do a little top, like, you know how the NFL does a top 100? The NFL Network does top 100 players in the NFL. I won't do a top 100 NBA players. I won't do 100. But I might do a little bit something like that. Maybe do like top 20, top 25, something like that. And maybe I'll like I'll list like five an episode or or something like that. So that way I can stretch it out. But yeah, I'll definitely uh, look into doing that. Uh, let's see. Move on to the second team. Russell Westbrook was second team. DeMar DeRozan. Giannis Antetokounmpo, LaMarcus Aldridge, a little bit of a surprise, and Joel Embiid. I can't say I disagree with any of these. Um, and then third team, Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Victor Oladipo, and Carl Anthony Towns. Victor Oladipo, I think, is definitely deserving. 
Honestly, I probably would have put him on second team ahead of DeMar. That's what I would have voted for. Um, Steph Curry, I understand why he's third team is because he was injured for part of the year. So otherwise, he probably would have been first team. Uh, moving on to the rookie, all the NBA all rookie first team, we have Kyle Kuzma. Lori Markinen, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, and Jason Tatum. Definitely the five best rookies this year, for sure. Kuzma, probably the biggest surprise out of all of them, just because he was drafted so late in the first round, I believe 28th overall. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was a big surprise. Uh, close to the end of the lottery, I believe he was the 12th pick. Ben Simmons, even though he's technically not a rookie, uh, definitely the best quote-unquote rookie this year. Jason Tatum, Markkinen, definitely agree with all of that. And then the second team, Alonzo Ball, Bogdan Bogdanovich out of Sacramento. Uh, he was actually, I believe, the league leader among rookies in three-point field goal percentage. So that's a pretty big deal. John Collins out of Atlanta. Josh Jackson, and Dennis Smith Jr. And then the NBA All-Defensive First Team. Uh, Robert Covington, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. Uh, and I, I definitely agree with those because those, those two guys are finalists for Defensive Player of the Year. Drew Holiday and Victor Oladipo. And then second team, Jimmy Butler. Draymond Green, Al Horford, DeJounte Murray, point guard out of San Antonio, and Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid should be first team. I think if you're a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year, there's no reason why you shouldn't be on the first team. Not really sure how that happens. But those are your NBA all-rookie defense and all NBA, I don't even know what you call the all, just all NBA teams, I guess. All right, so I want to move on now to some NFL. Um, the Packers signed Mercedes Lewis, tight end. He was from Jacksonville. They let him go after they signed Austin Safarian Jenkins this past, well, I guess this offseason. Um, and you're probably wondering, why is this such a big deal? Well, the thing is, it's it's, it's really not. It's not going to change much for the Packers. But the reason why I'm talking about it is because this doesn't really help Aaron Rodgers at all. Again, Aaron Rodgers does not get the help he needs. Like, Mercedes Lewis, a few years ago, was a pretty solid tight end. When he was a younger, but he's an older tight end now, and he probably doesn't catch more than 25 balls in a season and probably scores three or four touchdowns. He is far past his prime and has been now demoted to more of a blocking tight end. This doesn't give Rodgers the offensive threat, vertical threat tight end that he needs. I mean, he does have Jimmy Graham. 
So I guess maybe that's the reason why they got him, was just to be a blocking tight end. But in terms of getting weapons for Aaron Rodgers, this doesn't help at all. Like, Aaron Rodgers never gets what he wants. Hardly ever. He wanted to keep Jared Cook. They let him go to Oakland. They let three offense, good offensive linemen go. They let go of J.C. Treader, T.J. Lang. I forget the other guy's name. Just, just slipped. But they let their offensive line go. They've never had a solid running game. They let Jordan, Jordy Nelson go. He wanted to keep Jordy Nelson. They let him go. And they let a Pro Bowl cornerback go, Casey Hayward. He really wanted to keep Casey, Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward's probably a top five corner in this league. And let him go to San Diego that is now Los Angeles. And he's a Pro Bowler now. Aaron Rodgers does not have the proper support of his front office. And this is why I've been saying for a while, Aaron Rodgers needs to just leave. He needs to find a front office that's going to surround him with as much as he needs to be able to win. I think Jacksonville would be a perfect fit for him. He's there, everything's already in place. They've got talent, a talented young receiving core, the best defense in the league, and a pretty good running game and a very, very good offensive line. And really one of the best owners in the NFL. And Tom Coughlin is an excellent talent evaluator in, in bringing in talent, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. But, I mean, that's really important, having a good defense. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't get what he deserves. He deserves a lot better. And Mercedes Lewis is obviously an upgrade in terms of blocking, but they don't have much of a run game anyways, so it really it really serves no purpose. He's really going to be like a a security blanket kind of guy on like a third and like short third downs. This this move doesn't really help them at all because they don't have a running game and they don't have a lot of weapons surrounding him. And I don't see the Packers going out and signing Des Bryant. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants Des Bryant. Des Bryant doesn't add a lot to the Packers. Jordy Nelson was an excellent route running receiver. Lost a little bit of explosiveness and speed because of his ACL injury, but he was an excellent route runner. And had tremendous chemistry with Rodgers. Des Bryant can really only run two routes. Streaks and, and like fades. And occasionally a slant or a little crossing route. But really he only has two routes. Which makes him extremely easy to cover. And he's he doesn't have the explosiveness he once had. Which, may, which means you can leave him one on one and he probably won't make the catch. I mean, Dak last year was literally hitting Dez in the hands with the ball. And Dez couldn't reel in anything. Dez, uh, Dez would not add anything to that offense. And I don't think he would be a first option. He wants to be a first option. I don't think he would be. Devontae Adams is the number one receiver. 
you have Randall Cobb in the slot. They just drafted some receivers. They have Geronimo Allison, who actually is a, is actually solid. And you have Jimmy Graham, who's probably your second option in terms of throwing the ball. Des Bryant, where does he fit in in that equation? Fourth option? No. But Aaron Rodgers just doesn't get the help he needs, and he doesn't have the proper support of the front office in Green Bay. All right, some huge news in the NFL broke a few days ago. The NFL has now created a policy on kneeling in the NFL, and they created a rule in which the home teams decide if the teams come out for the anthem and players who kneel or players are not allowed to kneel but if they wish to not be out for the anthem individual players can stay in the locker room until the anthem is over but teams that do not follow this rule and come out for the anthem or players that kneel, I should say, not necessarily come out for the anthem because you are allowed to not come out. But if players kneel, your team could get a 15-yard penalty to open up the game. This is absolutely insane. I don't... I, oh my gosh, it's really... I don't, I don't understand what the NFL is doing here. I, I really, really don't. They're taking away basic rights of American citizens. It's, it's the, it's our freedom of expression. You can't take away someone's freedom of expression unless they're inducing a public panic or doing something drastically harmful, which they're not. They're not. And, and the NFL, I don't think, understands what these NFL players are protesting. These players aren't doing it for publicity. It's not fake patriotism. They were kneeling to protest police brutality and to protest, protest racial inequality. They weren't trying to disrespect any active or previous members of the military. They weren't disrespecting the flag. But the NFL let Donald Trump kind of brainwash him a little bit. Well, brainwash might be the wrong word. But... Donald Trump basically decided that NFL players were disrespecting the flag. And the NFL essentially just agreed with it. And they kind of they kind of uh, pandered to their fan base because fans, you know, disagreed with it. And they kind of created a, you know, a, a wrong 
situation, a situation that's kind of misread. They just don't, people just don't understand why NFL players are protesting. I think they're, they're ignorant to the fact that there are things wrong in this country. Racism is still a thing. It is still just as much as a thing now as it was probably 50 years ago. It is a thing. We just, we don't talk about it as much, but it's a thing. And this whole, oh, it's disrespecting the flag. All it is is a flag. It really is just a flag. The flag just represents what America is supposed to be about, which is freedom, diversity, protesting peacefully, right, your right to practice whatever religion you want, free speech, freedom of expression. But people automatically assume that they're trying to disrespect our country's values and our military personnel. And that's not what they're doing. If you just paid attention and listened and just really understood why, if you tried to understand why they're doing it, I think you would feel a lot differently. I think you would feel, a, I think people would feel a lot differently about it if they actually paid attention. But the NFL is now, the NFL is now preventing players from being signed by NFL teams. Owners are pandering to their, to their fan bases by not signing Colin Kaepernick. A poll was just released. A few days, uh, I think it was a week ago, asking if Colin Kaepernick was a starter in the NFL, and it was a yes. He, I think he is a pretty good quarterback. I'm sorry, he led a team to a Super Bowl. Not a win, but he led them to the Super Bowl. Anyone, any quarterback who can lead your team to the Super Bowl is a starting quarterback in this league. Nick Foles is a starting quarterback in this league. Colin Kaepernick is a starting quarterback in this league for some team. He is a starting quarterback for some team in this league. Right now, I, right now I'm just going to go off the dome here. Players that I like quarterbacks that I think Colin Kaepernick is better than. So I'm going to pick up my mic here and just kind of turn around. I've got helmets on my wall. I'm going to look at the teams. Um, Colin Kaepernick. I like Colin Kaepernick better than Andy Dalton. That's kind of it's close, but I think I would take Kaepernick. I like him better than Joe Flacco. Blake Bortles is debatable. Probably if. If I'm taking Cap over Andy Dalton, I'm taking Cap over Blake Bortles. 
anybody in Buffalo, I would rather captain Josh Allen. Josh Allen's horribly inaccurate. Uh, I like Tannehill a lot. I really like Tannehill. I think he's very underrated. Um, the Jets, I would take Darnold, Bridgewater, and McCown over Kaepernick. Kaepernick. I would take Keenum over Kaepernick. Um, and that's probably about... I might actually... Uh, no, I like e Eli Manning is better. Yeah, so those... My quarterbacks, I, I would take Kaepernick over Bortles, anyone in Buffalo, Joe Flacco... Probably, I don't, not Tyrod Taylor. I really like Tyrod Taylor. Second guessing, I don't think I would take him over Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton actually is pretty solid. Andy Dalton just frustrates me sometimes because he really craps himself near the end of the season. But Colin Kaepernick is an extremely talented quarterback. And... People have lost sight of his message. People think it's all a publicity stunt. And, I mean, it's not. It's really not. There is a problem in this country with, with racial inequality, racial injustice, police, police brutality. It's a problem. It's, it was more of a problem a few months ago. But, I mean, I'm sure it's still a problem now. We're just not talking about it as much. But it's keeping players like him and Eric Reed and other players out of the league. It's keeping them from being signed. And they're better than half the league. Now I only just listed a few quarterbacks, but Colin Kaepernick, if he's not a starting quarterback on your team, he's definitely a very good backup quarterback. Just looking at these teams again. Um, I don't really know the backup quarterbacks for these teams, but I would definitely, like, maybe not in Philadelphia I, because they have Foles. Uh, maybe not in Arizona because they have Rosen and Bradford. Bradford, I, I really like Bradford. Bradford's just injury prone, so I would, I probably would take Cap over Bradford just for injury reasons. I'm a Cowboy fan. I would take Kaepernick in Dallas as my backup quarterback. I would be extremely comfortable knowing Colin Kaepernick is my backup quarterback. I can't think of really any other backup quarterbacks that he would be better than. I, I'm, he's better than probably all of them, but I can't really think of backup quarterbacks right now. But it just it's frustrating to me. It really is. Because people think it's fake patriotism and it's all a publicity stunt and it's and they're trying to be disrespectful to the country and what it stands for and its servicemen and women. And really they're trying to point out what's wrong with the country. So there's my like ten minute rant on that. Um but We'll close out the show with 
some Le'Veon Bell news. He is going to hold out until um, when the season starts. Same as last year, just because of his contract situation. But Le'Veon Bell wants $17 million per year. And I'm sorry, no running back in the NFL is worth that much money. He is currently the highest paid right now at $14 million. That's the, the next highest is $8 million, and that's Devontae Freeman. You're telling me Le'Veon Bell wants more than – he wants to make more than twice the amount of what others make. I'm sorry. No. If we're just looking at the list here of highest paid running backs, let's see here. All right. Uh, scroll down. Oh, crap. Okay. Hang on a second here. Just bear with me. Almost. Okay. The top 10 highest paid running backs right now will go from 10 up. Well, we started with Freeman, so we'll go from 2 down. So Devontae Freeman at 2. LaShawn McCoy at 3, also 8 million. Freeman is 8.3. Number 4, Jarek McKinnon at 7.5. Um, number five, Leonard Fournette at 6.8. That is currently a rookie deal. Uh, number six, Lamar Miller out of, uh, from the Texans, 6.5 million. Ezekiel Elliott, seven, 6.2 on a rookie deal. Giovanni Bernard at 5.2 from the Bengals. Carlos Hyde from the Browns, 5.1 million. And Deion Lewis, 4.96 million from the Titans. Um, there's definitely a couple on this list that if the market was 14 million for superstar running backs, that's what they would make. Ezekiel Elliott, Fournette probably, Freeman, McCoy, Todd Gurley's not even on this list. Can't really think of anyone else. Uh, Kareem Hunt probably would be making this much. Uh, I don't know about anyone else. But oh, probably Kamara and Ingram. They probably should be up there if the market was that if the market for very good running backs was that high. But that's just not how the NFL works. Receivers make in the teens. Running backs really shouldn't be making more than $10, 11000000 million. And Le'Veon Bell won $17 million. That's, I think that's the same as Antonio Brown, or maybe slightly under. Running backs are extremely valuable players on your offense. They're more valuable than receivers. You can find a receiver in any round of the NFL draft. You can only really find really, really good running backs in the first three rounds. Outside of that, those are, those are like your, your steals. 
And I get that Le'Veon Bell accounts for a ton of Pittsburgh's offense, over 30% of their offense. But, I mean, come on, you can't, you can't pay $17 million for a running back. They're definitely valuable. They're more valuable than receivers. They are. But that's just not the market for them. The NFL set the market for running backs around $8 million. Anywhere from 5 to $8 million is your market for a running back. Receivers, the market for them is in the teens. And really, it's anywhere from like 10 to... Ten to like eighteen million dollars for the really good receivers. I believe Antonio Brown's nineteen, but Antonio Brown's the best receiver in the league. Odell is definitely not worth twenty, but yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be paying Le'Veon Bell seventeen million dollars. I would let him walk out the door. Uh, you have you have uh, James Conner. Right now, I don't know if the Steelers dra drafted anyone in this year's draft, but I mean, this year was a deep draft for running backs. Uh, it was one of those those weird years for running backs. It's, it was pretty deep. I'm not sure if they got a guy, but I'm sure they can. They they probably should have taken a guy this year. I think if they would have taken someone early, maybe, maybe if they would have taken Geis in the second. You take him, rescind Bell's franchise tag, and just ship him out the door. That's what I would have done. Or maybe trade him, but I don't think a team's going to want to pay him that much money. I don't think a team is stupid enough to. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, game six right now for the Cavs. Uh, it is currently 840 right now. I think the game started at 8, so I'll check Bleacher Report real quick. To see if there's a score update on that. So let's see here. It is it just started. It is two to two in the first quarter, eleven minutes. So it just started. So I'm gonna go watch the Cavs Celtics game. Uh so that's it for me this week. Uh make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Give this a like on SoundCloud. Give me a comment. Give me some feedback. I really want to know if you guys enjoy the show. Uh, I, I would really appreciate your guys' input. Give me some. Give me some topics to talk about. I want to. I want to talk about things that you guys want to hear about. So, you know, just give me some feedback. So, like and comment on SoundCloud. Rate and review on iTunes. Check me out on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I'm not a huge poster on Twitter, but I definitely need to get on that and get better and get more exposure. Uh, so thank you for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. It's WFS. WFS.